0: All right, you got your camera, you got a bag, you ready to go? Jump on in, we're heading down the road. My name's April, and I'm an award winning landscape photographer and tour guide. I've been leading small group photo tours for over 20 years for photographers, non photographers, and anyone else that just likes to go for a great trip. So, welcome to my podcast, Eyes for the Road. Here we are back in L.A. and it's time to talk about filters. What are filters? Why would I want to use them? And how do they pertain to landscape photography? So tonight it's all about filters. A filter is essentially another piece of glass that you're going to put on front, stack on top of your lens. So this may be a little advanced for some of you who have just started getting into photography. Some of you who... Just got your first point-and-shoot or still using your cell phone camera? Filters are something you can also do in post-processing. And there's two schools of thought on that. Some people like to sit at their computer and use Nick and After Effects. And there's a whole gamut and selection. Everybody keeps building new types of filters and, quote, effects. Just like when you take a photo with your cell phone and you upload it to Instagram, you're given some choices. Normal, maybe sepia, different looks, different styles. Some of that is through the use of, quote, filters. Or in the past, different types of films would achieve different types of effects. With digital, a lot of people feel like, oh, I'm just going to take the pictures now. And then when I get home, I'm going to Fix it all in Photoshop or fix it all in, you know, this or that program. It's just going to be magic. And that may work for some people. Granted, some people really enjoy digging in and getting their computer sitting down all day, really working on the images. To me, that's a whole nother type of artwork. That's that's like, I don't know, it's a whole nother way of of, you know, taking the photo and creating your final, what you find is pleasing, creating your final finished piece of artwork, as it were. For me, I like to be outdoors. I enjoy the thrill of the chase. I love the, you know, what's over the next hill. I can't wait till the next sunrise, the next sunset. And I don't want to be spending all my extra hours at my desk, you know, mixing the paints and Adding layers and stripping things away and changing colors. I want to try to get what I perceive as my art as true to what my vision is in the camera as I saw it out in the field with minor adjustments. Granted, I may saturate, I may highlight, I may do some minor adjustments, and a lot of those minor adjustments. I think come from my experience of using a film camera where it was kind of what you took was what you got, unless you were developing it yourself, a la, say, Ansel Adams, who took his own images and then spent time in the dark room dodging, burning, essentially doing some after-processing To that image, whether it was adding some darkness, taking away some areas, that type of thing. So, again, he was seeing the process through from start to finish. When a lot of us began photography several years ago, when you bought a camera and you dropped your little cartridge of film in there or you dropped your slide film in there, pretty much how you captured it in camera, if you were having someone else do the processing, if you were dropping it off, say at a lab, or could only afford to take it down to the local one hour photo spot, you were kind of at the mercy of those chemicals, those printers. So you really had to try to do the best you could getting what you wanted in camera. That same mentality holds true for me. So again, it becomes a choice. Do you want to try to, using the tools you have, using your paints and brushes, gather and create your best image as you're creating it, outside, in the moment? Or do you wanna take what you collected and then enhance, create some more, do some more, quote, post-processing when you get home and you sit at your computer? Today, I'm going to focus on, like I said, my style, which my style is to get what I envision out in the field. And a lot of that is through simple filters. There's really three, maybe four, there's four main filters. Originally, I was going to title this like a tale of three filters. But I realized there's basically four filters that I like to use in my camera bag. That I use pretty regularly. The first one being an ND filter, a neutral density. Some people call it a UV, no, excuse me, not the ND filter, the UV filter. It stands for ultraviolet. Some call it a zero filter. Essentially, it's just an extra layer of glass protecting my $1,000, maybe more lens on my camera. That way, If I accidentally nick it, something, you might get some dust on it. You might take your lens cloth and be cleaning the, quote, filter. I'm not scratching my precious lens at that point. Filters range in price. Anywhere you can pick up a filter, maybe on Amazon or eBay, really inexpensively. $10 for the Zero or the UV filter, all the way up to maybe $50, $60, depending on what it's made out of. There are some that are made out of uh, plastic, so I would stay away from those. And then there are the glass filters. And again, if you go on the internet, you may read a lot of opinions about people that believe, well, why would I put a filter on top of my $1,000 lens? Now I've got an extra layer, blah, blah, blah. Like I said, I'm telling you what works for me. So what works for me is protecting my $1,000 lens with a simple filter. So in case, which it has happened, I've bumped it or accidentally it's rolled, you know, maybe tumbled a bit. I've protected a couple lenses with the filter. Maybe I've broken my filter. My father, who I've traveled with a couple times, took a fall. And thank goodness that filter was on there. It literally saved his lens. And when you're traveling, he was in Europe. If that lens had been toasted, if it was no good, it would have maybe really put a damper on his enjoyment of his travels. since taking the photos is part of his enjoyment of traveling. So, I highly recommend investing in a UV filter and protect your lenses. You want to get one for each of your lenses, and maybe have an extra one just in case. Again, you fall, and now you can just uh, take off or you know get rid of the broken glass and replace it with a new one for a minimal amount of money. So, each filter is has a size, and the size corresponds to the size of your lens so if you look on the filter or if you look at your lenses on the outside ring it'll say something like 77 millimeter some are 62 it seems each lens has a different size so it's important to double check the size before you make your purchase of your filter so you can choose one UV filter for each lens and put that on there. I would recommend putting that on as soon as you purchase the lens. That should be part of your purchase. Filter number two. All right, we have a choice. I think I'm going to choose the polarizing filter. The polarizing filter is best described as putting on a pair of sunglasses. When you put on a pair of sunglasses and you're driving down the road in the summertime, don't the greens look incredible? And wow, the sky is so blue. And look at that barn. I love it. I love it, love it. Well, that's what I want in my photograph. And that's what a circular polarizer, in effect, does. It's polarizing the sunlight that's going through your lens. So it works best at a 90 degree angle, but you don't really need to think about the angles and all of that. That gets kind of complicated. When you look through your camera lens and slightly turn the polarizer, you can see, you know, watch the sky and the clouds. It's going to define the clouds a bit more and darken the sky. Be careful because depending on where you're aiming your camera and where the sun is you may turn your sky almost black which you may like that effect it can be very dramatic but if you're going for more of what you actually see kind of do it slowly and you'll see the edges you'll see the clouds pop define themselves so that's when you know you've got the polarizer where you want it to be depending on where you're aiming your focus with your camera I would recommend, if you love that look, that saturated look, to get a polarizing filter. When I was doing an interview with Dan Holmes, which if you go through my podcast, you can look up the interview with Dan Holmes, an award-winning landscape photographer who's been photographing for many years and leads workshops as well as I do. He says he leaves his polarizing filter on all the time. Again, different artists, different choice, different photographer, different schools of thought. I tend to take mine on and off, and I might even give in the same scene. As I mentioned, I love fall photography. I love looking at a bright red barn with a row of orange trees. and the grass is sometimes still somewhat green, especially in Vermont. So if I'm looking at my Vermont Scenic, sometimes I'll take an image with the polarizer and then I'll take a couple without because given that it's digital, I do have space, I can delete, so I have choices then right away without doing, like I said, my post-processing time is very minimal. So now I automatically have choices. Same with my father. I've noticed when he's out photographing with me, often, in fact, he'll take two or three different images looking at the same composition, but slightly different settings. So like he says, he has a choice. Does he want the polarizer on? He'll take one with the polarizer off. Then maybe he'll do one where he's chosen the settings himself. Then maybe he'll do one where he picks a preset in his camera and take that. Now he's got an option of maybe four different images, and when he gets home and can really fully look at it on his larger monitor, can choose the one he likes best. Not a bad idea, especially for someone that doesn't want to spend lots of time after you get home from the trip, sitting at your desk, making choices, adding colors, you know, doing the effects type of thing. So I recommend a circular polarizer. There are many choices, and I will get to some of the different brands. You'll see a lot of different pricing. So it may be something as well that you want to, if you're traveling with a fellow photographer, you may be able to borrow one and see what it looks like. But think about again, when you look at a seam through your sunglasses, that's essentially what you're doing with your camera lens. And it's springtime at least here in california so recently everything after the rains we've gotten some really green hills and again i'll 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 be driving down the road wow look at the green in the hills and the yellow of the of the wildflowers but if i stop and take my sunglasses off Yes, it's still green. Yes, it's still yellow. It's just not quite as saturated. It's, it's not just as much of that wow factor. So if you like a little bit of that wow factor, Outdoor Photographer Magazine for years, many of their photographs use a lot of of saturation, which comes again from probably capturing that image originally in with the polarizer, the circular polarizer. Kind of gives you that Fujifilm look for those of you who used to shoot slide film and are familiar with the Fujifilm colors, those bright landscape colors that pop. Moving on, filter number three is the ND filter. There's a couple types of ND filters and I like both of these filters very much. One is called a split, you'll see it called it referred to as a split density filter, usually a rectangular piece of glass with a line. You can have a hard split filter, you can have a soft split, and many variations in between. What this does, this piece of glass, is again going back to my farm scene in the fall, if the sky is really light, the sun has now come up, and it's gone to a really light blue, lots of sunlight. The foreground, the lower half, just below where the hill ends, your land starts, is maybe still dark. You know, you've got land, greens, dark rocks, maybe you're photography a a lighthouse and the lighthouse is standing on dark rocks and then you've got this bright light of sky wow you've got a really tricky scene here as far as composing and getting the exposure right you know are you going to are you going to adjust the f-stop are you going to adjust the iso this is a really tricky scene you have a few options You could take a few different exposures, then take it home. And as I mentioned earlier, sit at the computer. That's one way to do it. What I prefer is using this piece of glass. You're going to flip the piece of glass. You can hold it in your hand or they have screw-on filters where then you can just slide it into the filter. This would be used with a tripod most likely. The darker part of the glass, you're going to line up over the light part of your scene. And then where the filter, the line of the filter is, where it goes to the lighter portion, the clearer portion of glass, you're going to kind of try to line that up with your horizon line so that you don't see where the filter, you're not seeing the effect, but looking through the camera, you can see, oh, wow, it did darken the sky a little bit and I'm not losing, I've not made the, the ground, the earth, the, the, you know, whether, whether it's the rocks or the green of the grass, I haven't made it so dark. And that makes it easier to choose an exposure. It makes it easier to take your photograph and get a better picture. These are really easy to carry in your bag. They're flat You can get them in a hard line or a soft line. I somewhat prefer the soft line. It's easier than to line it up and not see that definition. You don't really want to see a line when you get home within your photograph. You don't want to see like you cut and pasted it like two different parts of a photograph. This is why I would recommend having the split filter in your bag if you're a landscape photographer. You'll find it really invaluable to getting the image you hope to go home with for your wall. So give it a try. If you're taking a workshop or photo tour trip, you may inquire of the guide or leader. Hey, are you going to be bringing some filters that I might try out? I've been doing a little reading. I've been listening. Can you bring some filters? I often bring extra filters to try with those that are taking my workshop or tour. So I can show them the difference because once you experience it and see the effect, you can make a better call for yourself if you're going to continue to use it. For those of you that have been taking photographs for a long time, it may be something new and definitely worth giving a try if you haven't already. So my next filter is just the ND filter is what it's referred to. There's several on the market. It's one of my favorite filters. It's something a little bit newer in the fact that it comes in almost a circular style like the polarizer only it's it's going to it almost makes the hole, let's describe it as the where the light is coming in, it's closing it down. So you'll need to use a tripod. And then you're going to screw this onto your lens. And again, it works great for waterfalls. It works great for moving waves, sky, things that you want to slow the exposure down really, really far. And you've tried maybe increasing your f-stop to say f22 at an ISO of 100. That's really slow but it's not always slow enough it's not always a long enough exposure to get the effect of the really milky water the silky silky waterfalls so this is a it's a really interesting effect and it gives you some more artistic ways to enhance your photograph if you like the look of it and some of this effect When it's just a waterfall, it's just the ocean, it's almost impossible up until now. I I don't believe I've read anything yet in Photoshop to replicate this effect. So at this point, you are going to need to get this in camera. You're going to spend a lot of time afterwards trying to smooth out a waterfall. I, I don't exactly even know where you'd want to begin doing that to make it look natural, make it look correct and effective. So if you haven't tried one of these filters, a couple of them on the market that you may have heard of, they're put out by Lee. One was called originally the Big Stopper. It had, I believe, 10, they called it 10 stops, because you're closing down that opening almost of how the light is coming into your lens. It's kind of be like a pie, and it's darker, darker, and just smaller, smaller area in the middle of the filter, essentially, that's letting the light through, which in effect now is slowing everything down. So that moving water, again, just becomes really milky, really silky. I've seen rough ocean waves almost turn to like a flat, almost like a watercolor image, almost like a piece of silk is the best way to to describe it. Um, I should put some images on my website or in the liner notes possibly so you can see the effect if you haven't seen it before. It's very beautiful, very impressionistic, and I really like it. So I've really gotten hooked on these new filters. Lee, I noticed when I went to their website today, they've got a little stopper, the big stopper, and now the super stopper. So the little stopper is six stops. These big stopper, which was the original one, is 10 stops. And the super stopper is 15. So you can imagine when you go to a 15 stop, you're essentially really slowing down that water, really letting in what I would describe as a pinhole amount of light. So again, it's slowing those moving waves down to just a really milky, milky effect. It does the same with sky and clouds. So if you have a lighthouse image, it may really make a painterly effect that's very pleasing if you're of that ilk that you want that look. Going back to some of the filters, you can spend a lot of money on these filters, but as I mentioned before, I think it comes down to a choice. Do I want to spend X amount of time... In my lab, as I I would describe it, at my computer, at my desk, learning Photoshop, using Photoshop, paying for programs. Some of these programs, Nick, Effects, Photoshop itself, they're not inexpensive. Filters can run you anywhere from, you'll find many knockoffs of filters. If you go to eBay, Amazon, many of the filters have been knocked off. You can get an inexpensive version until you give it a try. And honestly, I haven't seen a difference on a UV filter from an expensive version to an inexpensive. But my style, maybe coming from an artist background, I like the look of something a little bit softer. I'm not doing a technical, I suppose, photograph. That's not been my style as a landscape photographer. I think I want to I want to give the photo some feeling. So to me, a little softness is very acceptable in my photographs. If you are doing a more technical style of photography, these tools may not be good for that type of photography. So again, I'm referring to landscape photography, nature, flowers, Things, Those are the things that really interest me. And again, I have an art background, so I tend to go for an arts look, a painterly, impressionistic type image. So that kind of covers filters. There are other filters out there on the market. I did see a blue gold filter that I might be interested in checking out for this fall. So when I give that a go, I may give you an update on some new tools in another podcast I also saw on the split filter, the square glass one I was talking about. It's got a black coating to a gray is the one I've been currently using for many years. And it's worked very well. Well, when I was doing a little bit of additional research before I came on air today, I noticed there's one now in a kind of a gold brown color. And I thought, wow, that might look really nice with the fall colors again, because it would kind of cast a warm light on the image. If you're doing some black and white photography, most of us now with digital, we always capture it in color and then change it to black and white. You can also do that in camera. Some of the filters we used to use when we were doing black and white filter, there was a red filter to intensify the blacks. So those are some other things that I may cover in another podcast. Thank you again for joining me. I encourage you to please give me any questions, feedback, information that you would like to hear about in another podcast or places you want me to cover or explore for you at april at aprilart.com. My website is fallphototrips.com. I've got some great tours coming up. Right now it's spring, so I've been taking a lot of people out to photograph wildflowers. Come summer, I'll be probably heading towards some cooler areas, such as the coast. But this wildflower bloom this year, this could continue for a bit. So it's really pretty exciting. Come fall, I'm heading to Alaska. Would like to go back to Lake Superior. So if any of these tours interest you, please send me an email. Ask me some questions. My email address, one more time, is april at aprilart.com. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Eyes for the Road. See you next time. Thanks.